Hello, everyone, and welcome to our broadcast on men's heart health. I'm super excited about this. I am your host, Dr. James Simmons. I'm a board-certified nurse practitioner, and they let me get to say this, founder and host for Ask the NP. Um, Just so that everyone is clear and we're level setting here, there are folks here on Facebook and LinkedIn um, and YouTube as well. So welcome everyone. I do want to give you this disclaimer, okay? Because you have two providers here, so we got to go through the legalese. This video is for informational purposes only, okay? And not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or provider or other qualified health provider, of course, with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Okay, so now that the legalese is out of the way, I am super, super excited to introduce Dr. James, great name, Dr. James Beckerman, cardiologist and medical Absolutely. So, so glad that you were here. Okay. So I have never gotten to do this and it's something that I'm super excited about. I I sort of wear many hats and do all these different things. But one of the reasons I got into talking about health and medicine and all of these different things in a social media broadcasting type of capacity was because Men, we just don't do really a great job of taking care of ourselves a lot of times, particularly like seeing primary care providers and going to the cardiologist and all of those things. So I'm really, really, really excited to have this conversation and really excited to learn more about what you do in your role with Providence. So tell everybody what you do. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a cardiologist. I've been in practice for about 15 years. And like a lot of people wear a bunch of hats. Uh, the most important one professionally is uh, taking care of patients in the clinic and in the hospital setting. And I also have a great passion towards uh, prevention and wellness programming. And so uh, some mm. of what I do is uh, try to create programs to engage people to take control of their health and I get engaged with one another as well. So it's a lot of fun and I love it. That's, that's great. I love it. And I think that's so important that people do that. I'm adjusting myself in my chair here because we're going to get comfortable. So uh, prevention. I love that you mentioned that. I There's a lot that we're going to talk about today, but I think prevention is one of those big things that is not as sexy and glamorous sometimes, but it doesn't get quite the attention. But it's probably the most, as you are a cardiologist, understand it's like the most important thing you can do, particularly men for our heart health. So give me your top five to seven habits or preventative things that you would give to folks watching right now to for a heart healthy lifestyle. Sure. I mean, I, I'd say real quick that what you, I like how you mentioned that it's not as, as sexy or as necessarily initially as intriguing as other aspects of what we do in healthcare. But I often think about it kind of like if you were trying to save money for retirement, it would be really cool if at age 65, you would win the lottery. And that was your strategy. And you just <laughs> planned that you'd win the lottery at some point. But we all know that Why that not? doesn't work quite as well <laughs> as saving money uh -huh. every week or every month through your 30s, 40s, 50s. And mm -hmm. that'll set you up later. So prevention is sort of the 401k of health. Uh, whereas the lottery- Ooh, good analogy, right? good analogy. So that's great. I love it. <laughs> so my top five to seven strategies uh, towards preventing heart disease and just being healthy in general, once again, not rocket science, right? It's eating healthfully. And I really do think that that is 
specific to the individual person. You know, we talk about what the best diet is, but the truth is it's whatever the best diet is for you that you're going to be able to do long term. And the same goes with exercise. Uh, we have our recommendations about how much and what type over the course of a week. And I don't know about you, but it's it's hard for me to think about, am I up to my 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise? It's more just about mm-hmm. being active in a way that gives you some joy and you know maybe gets you around other people. Uh, in terms of some other risk factor management uh, ideas, uh, you got to think about high blood pressure. You got to think about diabetes or blood sugar, cholesterol. Um, don't smoke, and get a good night's sleep. So those are the big ones. Yes, I love that you mentioned sleep. I think it is so incredibly important for our overall health. And we are, you know, there's. It's not even really emerging, right? Years ago, it was this emerging body of research, but there's so much more research now about the connection between sleep and stress and these chronic hyperinflammatory states that can lead people to be at higher risk for coronary artery disease and have poor heart health outcomes, right? So I love, I'm so, so glad that you mentioned sleep. And I think one of the things that sometimes people don't maybe fully understand, or they've heard a little bit in the media, but don't quite get is just this foundation of why, and hopefully you can explain this, why maybe men's heart health and an approach to that might be just a little bit different than women's heart health and why why it's so important to acknowledge those differences. Sure. I, I guess I'd say that, first of all, w- when we think of men's health, I think that it makes sense that people's thoughts would gravitate towards things like prostate health or testosterone levels, things like that. But when it comes down to it, and health with a capital H, we're really thinking about the big things that are most likely to impact almost all of us over the course of our lives, which are cardiovascular disease and cancer. Those are the big ones, right? And obviously, Mm -hmm. other things happen to people along the way, unfortunately. But for the majority of people, if you think about your, you know, the men in your life, your, your dad, your 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 brother, uh, your friends, uh, it's going to impact some of them. And so when I think about heart disease in men, I really do think about that prevention. Obviously, one of the differences between men and women is our hormonal makeup, what the kinds of hormones that we're sort of marinating in throughout our lives. And because women have this exposure to estrogen, that seems to impact how or when they might develop heart disease with respect to men. So uh, a simplified way of thinking about it might be to think that men tend to develop heart disease generally about 10 years earlier than women. So using our our silly financial uh, example from earlier, if you were to imagine (laughs) that, that guys have to retire 10 years earlier than women do, then they got to start saving earlier. And mm-hmm. so obviously prevention is super important for women and men. But when the uh, rubber hits the road, maybe a little bit earlier in your life, uh, you got to be more prepared for it. And so, uh, you know, to your point, uh, guys are not great at, at thinking about this prevention stuff, checking in with the doctor, <laughs> um, focusing on a healthy diet when they're in their 20s and 30s, it doesn't happen that much. But we need to 
kind of move that needle a little bit and get guys thinking about this stuff sooner. I 100% agree with you. And I, I hate to sort of generalize, right? I, there are lots of men in our lives. I'm sure there are some men watching right now who are like, I'm really great. I go see my provider every year and I do all the things and I take all my medications. Um, but it's still, the we're also a data-driven sort of profession, right? And the data doesn't lie. Like, uh, unfortunately, those male-identified folks tend to be individuals who over the lifespan seek preventative care less. And as we just learned from Dr. Beckerman, this brilliant analogy of a 401k, it's fantastic. Uh, it's such a great analogy that you have to start saving with your 401k earlier. So speaking of not only men, but I also want to dive just a little bit deeper here, if you can, Dr. Beckerman, about other uh, populations that may be at sort of higher risk for heart disease and need to get on that 401k path a little bit earlier? Sure. I, I mean, we talk about risk in terms of behavior, um, but we also need to be thinking about risk in terms of genetic predisposition too. Um, you know, you, you can choose to eat a healthier diet. You can choose to exercise. But uh, some of us come from long lines of people who've had heart disease at earlier ages or who, for whatever reason, may have uh, a predisposition towards uh, having abnormal cholesterol or, or higher blood pressure. Uh, so if, if you're a person that kind of finds yourself in one of those categories, even despite your best efforts, it's really important to start thinking about it a little bit earlier. And, you know, no 25-year-old, 35-year-old, 45-year-old, any five-year-old wants to take medication uh, for some asymptomatic right. thing like blood pressure or cholesterol. But, you know, there, there comes a time probably for all of us at some point where we have to kind of look at ourselves in the mirror and say, you know, I, I think that I might benefit from this. And so I think that engaging in those conversations with your healthcare provider and saying, you know, I, I want to do the diet and exercise thing, but if at some point maybe taking a medication to help prevent something down the line makes sense, uh, I can I can consider that pretty seriously. I'm I'm one of those people. We have you know it's it's this con constant conversation of of um, genetics versus environment and, and how they both, there's an interplay of both of them, right? So I, unfortunately, I have an uncle who died at 44 of um, uh, what ended up being a massive hemorrhage, but also found out to have coronary artery disease horribly because we have high blood pressure in our family and he didn't manage it. So I have actually been on high blood pressure medications. Are you ready for this? Since I was 17 years old, regardless of my size, and it's been it's something you're right there. You don't, you're like, gosh, I'm a young, healthy dude. Why am I taking this medication? I don't want to be doing this. But then you realize the consequences of not doing those things and how you just sort of feel better, even with something like, like high blood pressure, which, you know, has been called the silent killer for, for right. so long. So blood pressure is one of those things you don't normally feel Dr. Beckerman, but what are some of the symptoms that maybe men or anyone watching can feel if eh, there might be some heart issues going on that they really need to look out for. Sure. The first thing I always try to tell people is, you know your body better than I do. And so you know your aches and pains, you know your like weird little things that only you know about, about how your body works. And the good news is most of those things are probably normal for you. 
but when something changes, when you feel just different in some way, especially when you exert yourself, it's very reasonable to start thinking about, you know, is there a medical cause for this? And so in the case of heart disease, you know, we talk about the big things like chest discomfort, shortness of breath, fatigue, and something that people don't think about as much maybe is a change in your exercise or activity capacity. You know, like I used to be able to do such and such, but now when I try to do it, this doesn't feel right. I just, I'm tired in a way that feels like strange to me. And so obviously heart disease can manifest itself in probably a million different ways from a symptom standpoint. But I think that one takeaway that I feel different than I think I'm supposed to be feeling, that's really important mm. to take yourself seriously. And if, you know, if you feel like it rises to the level where, yeah, maybe I need to talk to somebody about it, seek somebody out. I, I like that. And the permission to seek somebody out, right? Like if you're, I'm feeling different than I did before. I don't know what it is. Like y'all don't need to know how to diagnose. That's like our job, right? But knowing you know your body better than we do. And it's a team effort to sort of figure that out. You you mentioned exercise a couple of times. Obviously, we all know we need to be doing this. It's very important to be active. But I think what is a limiting factor for a lot of people is they instantaneously think, kind of like you said before, all right, I need to be working out five days a week. I have to do an hour of cardio and an hour of lifting weights. And then I have to go do yoga and all these things. Like what, what do you say to people who don't have a routine right now? And what are just some simple things that they can do to get started? Yeah, it can be hard for a lot of people, right? And I think that even probably for us, uh, I'm assuming that, you know, you are pretty active. I am too. But there probably have been times in your I life where you, where you weren't. <laughs> And you think to yourself, mm -hmm. you know, what did it take for me to kind of get into this habit? And I, I'm going to go back to that financial thing again. So when, when you put money into <laughs> Do your it. Double down. Account, when you put money into your retirement account, you don't literally take out a checkbook at the end of the week and write my retirement account on a check and then mail it somewhere. You automate that, right? You, you have some system that you use to put money away, whether it, it's something with your bank, something with a, maybe you have a retirement account through work, but people who automate things and don't have to think about them every single time generally are able to maintain the behavior. And so when it comes to exercise, mm. is it possible to do that? Now, I think it is, and I think that one of the ways to do it is by establishing a routine, right? You brush your teeth every morning and every night. There's certain things you do every day without, I'm kidding. without trying to you know, <laughs> decide to do it. It's because you just set your life up in a way that you can automate it. And so I think that one mm -hmm. of the best pieces of advice for somebody who wants to get into exercise is to think of your exercise time like an appointment that you can't miss. And for some people that could be early in the day, that's what works for me. Other people, it's later in the day. If you're lucky, it's in the middle of your day, but sticking to some <laughs> kind of schedule that makes sense in your own crazy life, I think is the first step. And once you've kind of locked in that period of time in your day, then what you do to fill it, 
that's the easier part in my opinion but it's more just committing mm-hmm. that okay it's 6 30 in the morning i got a half hour coming up and i got no other commitments here i go so that's that's where i'd start and the, i think the rest is the fun part where you get to decide what you do right and and what those activities are and i, I think you know, we, this is such amazing advice, Dr. Beckerman. Thank you. And one of the things I'll just add on to that is I think that layer of understanding that that appointment with yourself is the most valuable appointment. We all spend so much time running around. Well, all right, I got to get up early because I got to help the kids finish their homework because they didn't finish and they have a science fair project today. Or, you know, I forgot to send that last email from work or there's, you know, whatever. But all of those are fantastic, but if you are not healthy and if you are not around and if you are not in a sort of great place, mind, body, soul, and spirit, you're, you can't do all of those other things. And so even if it's just a half an hour a day, it's so incredibly important to make sure that you know that you are the only person who's going to make you a number one priority and use a little bit of that time for your physical health as well as your mental and emotional health. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Now, I was not a runner for a very long time. And then I started doing triathlons. And then I realized that even at, you know, I'm about eight foot, seven inches tall and 400 pounds, but even at that big, I can run, right? Anybody can run. And yesterday was global running day, which is amazing. And it leads me to this question about the Providence Heart to Start program. Break it down. It's been going on for nine years. Tell us all about this program and how has it had such great longevity? Yeah, this has been a blast. So, you know, I mentioned before, one of my passions is uh, really trying to create communities where people can come together and thrive together. And so back nine years ago, we started this program with the idea that we were going to get healthcare providers out on the track, training Mm -hmm. with their patients and with community members towards a common goal, which in this case is 5k. and so whether you've done a 5K before or never have done one or never wanted to do one, we wanted you to come out with us. And so it started out, you know, I'm up, I'm up in Oregon and you may know that it can rain here sometimes. And so <laughs> I've heard I, just we, a we started out in uh, the winter in Oregon uh, at night because mm. that was the only time we could get the track and we'd be out there slogging through rain with 100 people. Uh, going through a training program over the course of 12 weeks. And since then, we made the intelligent decision to switch to days, uh, but we can't do much about the <laughs> Very rain. wise. Yeah. And we've also expanded our footprint uh, to about six or seven locations uh, throughout the Pacific Northwest. And this past year, like everything else in the world, we had to go virtual, which, uh, you know, is, is a challenging thing for um a community-based uh, exercise program where part of the fun is being with other people and interacting with them. But uh, mm-hmm. but we pivoted like everybody else has. And one of the cool things is that we tripled our engagement and had more than 2,000 people participate from 18 states and Whoa. two countries. So it's cool, right? I mean, one of the things that I think we've all been amazed by is just the power of this kind of technology for bringing people together. And so mm-hmm. it turns out you can do that in the exercise and activity space too. So that, that's that been a blast. Wow, I get so many people and in that it expanded during 
COVID, right? During this, having to yeah. do it virtually. That is that is awesome. Any any plans to be able to start bringing some of them back in person at all? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the plan. I mean, thank goodness, um, as we know, things are generally moving in a in a better direction uh, in our country um, uh, with everything uh, Corona wise, and so we're mm-hmm. we're hoping that it will make sense to bring people back together in person. But what I'm psyched about is I think that for a lot of things it'll retain that kind of hybrid model because we realize that there's an opportunity to reach a lot of people. And so if we can do that while also having a more kind of intimate in-person experience, we wanna do both. And so I think we're gonna be seeing that trend a lot. Um, Just the idea that people realize there's more than one way to do things. And I think that's good. Uh, Awesome. There is more than one way to do things. And uh, by the way, if you're joining us late, uh, you're just tuning in or you're watching this on a replay and you're just tuning in. um, My name is Dr. James Simmons. Uh, I'm a nurse practitioner and you, the other uh, handsome gentleman on the screen here with me is Dr. James Beckerman, um, cardiologist and medical director for clinical programs and strategy prevention and wellness at Providence Heart Institute. And uh, we're so glad you were watching. We're talking about overall heart health as well as men's heart health specifically. And I mentioned stress earlier and how important sleep and and a little bit about the importance of stress on our heart health, ways that you recommend folks manage their stress and how important that is. And then I don't know. You have a certain very interesting hobby that I th- would love for you to share with everyone about how you sort of manage your stress. Sure. So stress in the heart, um, the way I just generally try to think about it, I think you used the word inflammation uh, earlier. And I think that that's a good way to kind of frame the discussion that when we experience a lot of stress in our lives, it just seems to up our ante with respect to inflammation. And, you know, there's there's certain hormones that are involved. Cortisol is one of them. There's a lot of biochemical stuff uh, that that I left back in medical school a million years ago. But what it comes down (laughs) to is when we kind of bathe our bodies in these stress hormones, it's not good for us. It's not good for our hearts. It's not good for our cancer risk. And the other thing that stress can do, it can make us behave badly. Because sometimes Mm. when we experience stress, we look for the easy way out to reduce our stress. And Uh for some people that can be unhealthy eating, Uh, it could be drinking too much alcohol and other things. And so stress in general, not great for the heart. And so I guess the question comes, what do you do to deal with that? How do you deal with stress in your own lives? And, you know, like diet, like exercise, like anything lifestyle oriented, it's, you know, you do you, you got to do it in the right way for you. And so Mm -hmm. one of my weird ways of managing stress or just having a good time, I mentioned Mm -hmm. I live in the Pacific Northwest. And so an obvious hobby for me would be to be a chainsaw carver, right? And so, of course, obviously, obviously. (laughs) And so I, I am, I'm not only a cardiologist, but I'm a carvey. Don't do it. Yeah, I had to. Ah, And ah. and so, uh, yeah, for a few years, I've been, uh, I don't know, I I get salvaged wood from, from neighbors and friends and 
the side of the road and I got a bunch of chainsaws and I turned it into something uh, that I like and hopefully other people like too. And so that's mm -hmm. uh, been an incredibly fun uh, hobby and side gig, especially during pandemic. Nothing like nothing yeah, like right. everybody sheltering in place and your neighbors running a chainsaw all day. So <laughs> I use an, I sure. use an, ele an electric <laughs> one, but still. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. they have electric chainsaws? That's awesome. Yeah. Who knew? And, and I wear ear protection. I don't know if anybody else is wearing it, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, you also apparently have a budding career as a stand-up comedian because you <laughs> are not only a car cardiologist, but a carviologist. Wow. That is, that's Apologies. really good. Um, we have a yeah, all of them, right. We have a couple more questions uh, to get to, of course, but I wanted to let folks know here, we've got about four and a half, five minutes left. If you have any questions, uh, particularly if you're on Facebook, if you put them in the comments, we'll try to get those questions out here in the next couple of minutes. We do have one question from Facebook already, Doc. We're gonna back up just a little bit um, yeah. about the Heart to Start program. Can anyone be involved in Heart to Start or is it just Providence employees? Anybody can kind of participate, absolutely. And so uh, I encourage people to check out um, hardtostart.org and by heading to that URL, you can find out information about our next program and it's free and you can register and get involved. Love to have you. Excellent, very, very good. So one of the things that I've kind of avoided a little bit, not on purpose, but just it's, it's actually a larger question than we have three minutes to answer <laughs> with, but uh, we talked a lot about exercise, managing stress. There's another component to that, right? The things we put in our mouth um, and they're all three tied together. So give us just real briefly kind of your top tips and recommendations in terms of nutrition, which is obviously so critically important for heart health. Yes. Um, Why well, I mentioned at the beginning that it has to be sustainable, right? I, I'm not a fan of people getting into 30 day or 60 day uh, uh fad diets, you know, where they basically mm -hmm. do something really intensely. And then at the end of that period of time, when they go back to their old behaviors, they're surprised when things go back to what they were before they started the whole thing. And so exactly. it's, a, it, it's about finding something that you think that you really can do long term. And so big focus is eating real food, uh, trying to get away from the processed stuff, microwave stuff, mm -hmm. uh, things that are in you know, wrappers and containers and trying to eat foods that, that grow on trees or come out of the ground. Or if you eat meat, eating real meat, not processed meat. Um, those mm -hmm. are some of the big things. And then there's that whole carbohydrate thing, right? You know, we've heard so much more about that in the past few wow. years. And I think we do realize that people who eat more carbs are going to find themselves at higher risk for blood sugar problems, cholesterol problems, heart problems. And so putting a little bit of a break on that, uh, and that's not just sweet foods, but it's also just those, those silly carbs that, that you know you don't need, but you kind of have anyway. So trying to be mindful, be intentional about it, but not crazy about it. That's the key. Yeah, I, I love that. That's fantastic. Because um, sometimes it's hard too. like we're, you know, working in hospitals or healthcare settings, a lot of times there's lots of food around, and it has to be shelf stable food, food that won't go bad. And so there's that package of crackers that are sitting out in the break room or whatever, and you just walk by and you grab two of them. Well, if you do that every day, those crackers really adds up. And those are the kinds of those kinds of carbs that Dr. 
Beckerman mentioned. Real quick here in our last sort of minute or two, um, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, kind of toot your own horn and toot Providence's horn a little bit, as we should, right? Tell tell us, for those folks watching who may not be familiar, um, about what, what do you say makes the Providence Heart Institute unique and sort of special, you know, obviously for your patients? Yeah. Um, I've worked here for about 15 years, and I'm lucky to say it's my only job I've ever had, really. And uh, the reason why I've stayed, it, honestly, is just for the the true caliber of the people that I get to work with every day. And, you know, everybody thinks that they, especially in healthcare, thinks they work with good people. I hope they do. Um, but what you really see as a healthcare provider, you see how you're partners, your colleagues engage with people, how they really care for people, how they use evidence-based medicine, how they mm -hmm. use their own passion and compassion to serve the, the patients they care for. And that that's huge. And even though we might want to think we should take that for granted, and isn't it like that everywhere? All I know is this, it's like that where I work. And so I'm really mm. proud to be part of a team that delivers that kind of care to people. So that's the special thing. Awesome. It really does come down to the people, right? Um, and clearly you are an excellent person at what you do and taking care of everyone in the Providence family. Dr. Beckerman, thank you so, so much for taking some time uh, with us today on uh, one of Providence's, I love these Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn lives. They're great. It's like a little half hour over your lunch. You get to eat, you get to learn something. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today. And of course, everyone listening and watching and sending in your questions. Um, if, of course, if you are looking for a medical provider or medical information, please visit providence.org. You can also follow Dr. Beckerman on Twitter at James Beckerman, and you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at AskTheNP. And of course, make sure you follow Providence on social media and on Twitter under Providence Health System on Instagram as well, Facebook and LinkedIn too, of course. Thank you so much, everyone. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Thank you again, Dr. Beckerman, and we will talk okay. to you all soon. 